With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Panel time here. Uh, we're joined by Brad Lewis from MediaWorks this morning and, of course, our very own uh, Sam Hewitt, who is in studio here in Auckland. Uh, Brad, we'll start with you uh, this morning, please, if we can. Uh, Moana Pacifica, news comes through this morning, yet another delay. They just cannot get anything into this campaign, can they? No, and we talked about this last week, Smithy. It's just really unfortunate that this has hit them the way that it has. Uh, and, yeah, sort of Aaron Major mentioning yesterday that um, he might even have to resort to potentially asking if he can loan in some players a la the Warriors a couple of years ago um, to get this game um, off off the ground later in the week. But obviously, you know, they've made the decision. I think New Zealand rugby game until the end uh, of um, tomorrow. But it's quite clear now that they've decided to pull the pin. And rightly so. I mean, like they're on a hiding to nothing um, on the field anyway. And it would be, you don't, you don't want this to become a mockery. You don't want it to become embarrassment. You don't want the franchise to get hammered by 60, 70 points in their opening game. So I think the right decision has been made and, you know, the the organisers of the competition need to do the best for Moana Pacifica that they can to make sure they're in the best position to at least put up a a competitive fight in these games because this is such an important um, time for them given it's it's their debut in the competition. Yeah, I think they're searching for credibility, Brad. I think you did right this year, but they need to have it on an even footing. And uh, Sam, it appears that they're... They can't get that, and I guess the fortunate thing is that uh, in terms of the competition, not good for them, but they're, they're the only ones affected, which uh, is, is quite incredible when you think about the small group of, uh, the big group of players in such a small area. Yeah, it is. Um, I, probably a little bit pessimistic, um, Smithy, because I, I, I do wonder how long it's going to last. I think, you know, without sort of going uh, too, too much into the crystal ball, I can see you know, COVID becoming quite rampant in the country and I think that'll affect the rugby teams at some stage. I think the problem for Moana Pacifica now is that they've ne- they're going to miss two games which they're going to have to make up, which essentially will mean two storm weeks, I imagine, unless they're able to find... You know, they won't be able to find time at the end because they have to go into semifinals and that sort of thing. So um, that's going to be very tough for them if they're going to have to play um, two games... Uh, well, you know, basically four games over the space of two weeks. And as Brad said, you know, they're already basically on a hiding to nothing as it is. So I think that's going to be concerning the scores we might see in those two weeks as well. Have you ever scored three own goals in a game, Sam? i tell you what. I, I, I felt so sorry for this girl. I watched it. I watched it. And I just could not believe that one person could have that much 
damn bad luck. And I know. And the thing was, that if you look at the goals too, their, their own goals. You know, because they obviously touch her, but but there was only probably one of them where she did put her foot out, which she didn't have to. The other ones almost just hit her. You know, um, she wasn't even expecting it; it just sort of hit her and went in. So very unlucky. And um, I've never scored an own goal myself, Smithy. But I'll tell you a story about someone I played with who did, and that was a, a one Chris Wood um, back in our high school days, and uh, we were playing against uh, his former. Well, not his former school, but he's he's a Cambridge lad, and uh, we were playing against Cambridge, and um, our goalie threw it basically to halfway. And I don't know whether he did it on purpose or not, but he basically just threw his whole body at the ball, right-footed it, and it went straight back into our goal top left corner. Um, and that was probably the best goal I've ever seen Chris Wood score. <laughs> I'm, just try- I'm just trying to imagine that, scoring from halfway in your own goal. Yeah, it was uh, uh, fair to say the field wasn't probably a, a, a full standard field, uh, Smithy, at our school. But um, it was it was a distance, and um, like I just just quickly, I, I saw Chris would do some freakish things at high school, including like bicycle kicks and training that would just go top top corner. You know, when when some of us couldn't even get the ball off the ground at fourteen years of age. I'm in awe of you now. You, you're, I've just gone uh, so much in awe of you, so much more and higher in my. Ex- Estimation. Really? I didn't, I didn't tell you that I was actually just the one pumping the balls on the sideline, but okay. <laughs> that I do believe. You're the guy with the net with the balls in. Yeah, okay. Uh, and yeah, I've got to say, Brad, uh, on a serious note, though, um, you know, that was quite a depressing sight to see this poor girl weeping, weeping uh, openly um, in the dugout after something that you just cannot expect and, and you can't plan for. Yeah, and look, I, I can't look back at a high school moment like Sam. I mean, I played basketball with a guy called Mike Jordan once, but it wasn't Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, look, um, and what I found interesting, and actually um, it, it was kind of good to see, was I think the third girl, one of the American girls, put her hand on Michaela's back and sort of said, unlucky, and you'll notice the celebrations got less and less. Like the first goal, they were stoked about. The second one, they were like, oh, it's happened to her again. And the third one, by that point, they were, I guess, feeling sorry for an opposition player. But I think the yeah. coach made the right decision at that point to to, to, to um, give her the hook. And, and good to see the team get behind her. And, you know, I've seen a lot of football people on, on Twitter sort of say, you know, you have your bad days, you know, and that was a bad day. Um, she's shown quality before and she'll show quality again. Um, it was just unfortunate. And I think aside from those three own goals, New Zealand actually played pretty well against a really good USA team to, to restrict them to two goals from open play and one like five minutes into injury time, I, I think they actually did a did a pretty good job if you take the three own goals out of the equation. I totally agree. Uh, actually, I thought it was a really creditable performance uh, after after that. I mean, we never expected them to win, um, and it could have been it could have been less. Uh, we just didn't look like scoring. That was the thing that worries me about the yeah. whole deal. Uh, it's ten thirty, guys. Stay with us, um, Brad, and, and of course Sam. Stay with us, and we'll have a quick news break, and we'll come back with. Uh, some more, maybe uh, some more women's sport too. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And uh, with us this morning on the panel, Brad Lewis uh, is on the phone, of course, from uh, MediaWorks, and Sam Hewitt is in our studio here in SENZ, being one of our very own. And yesterday, what, what, I was going to say, Brad, uh, NBA. What, what do you make of uh, All-Star Week? I, I kind of just uh, switch off basketball. It doesn't do a lot for me. And then I see a game uh, where there's absolutely no defence as their showpiece game, and I, I, I don't quite get it. 
Yeah, look, um, well, the, the slam dunk contest uh, went down like a cup of cold sick, right? Like it was described as the worst slam dunk contest in the history of, of the All-Star Weekend. It, it was uh, pretty boring. But yeah, look, I think the highlight of yesterday was just watching Steph Curry play with complete freedom and no no defenders and, and just drilling threes for fun. It was like playing a video game. Uh, he, he, he's unbelievable. He's actually having his worst three-point season for a decade this season in the regular season, but um, unbelievable yesterday. Uh, just sort of sort of um, in and out of that, just uh, looking up, looking down as I was, I was working away. But, uh, yeah, like um, it's... There's, there's no defense. There's not much to it. There's not, there's not much stakes. They've done the whole fantasy draft thing with the two uh, captains and LeBron and Katie, which is kind of cool. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what Sam's thoughts on it. It's just, you know, it's just a typical all-star weekend in American sport where there's no stakes. And, yeah, um, I think baseball's the only one that has stakes. I think I don't even know if that's still the case where I think the winning division gets uh, home advantage or something. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I just, I, yeah, I just, uh, it, it is what it is, and I just enjoyed watching Steph Curry uh, play basketball with his mates and just having fun. It's like a street game, right? It's like turning up, watching some really good basketballers play uh, at a at a school playground or something. <laughs> oh, Valentine's Day for me, Sam. I'm afraid um, it's a commercial exercise which you either buy into or you don't. Yeah, that's pretty much bang on speed. I think in times gone by, I mean, I, I sort of remember watching All-Star Games, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and I guess maybe they were a little bit more competitive, but it is really, you've got to see it for what it is maybe, like it's a chance to get all the stars in one place, and it's a bit of fun, I know they have the celebrity game too, and you know, for young kids and that, it might be quite fun to watch, and um, in a way it's sort of T20 cricketish, you know, lots of baskets, um, you know, lots of, well I'm not going to say big dunks, but you get lots of dunks, you get lots of threes, it's sort of all the fun stuff of basketball without the the nitty gritty of fouls and stoppages and all that sort of stuff so um, you know I was uh, not surprised but I remember um, t- I text Steph um, at the first quarter because he had a couple of bets on with the TAB and I think it was something like 47 all after one quarter um, which is generally what you get in the midway through the third quarter in a normal NBA game so um, yeah I, I guess you got to see it for what it is Smithy and, and I sometimes I enjoy it sometimes I sort of watch and, and it's yeah, I mean, Steph Curry hitting threes for fun is is, is somewhat entertaining. So, um, yeah, but you, you can't watch it thinking that you're actually getting a competitive basketball match until LeBron's team is okay. behind by about two points and then he just goes absolutely mental. Yeah, absolutely fair enough. Uh, I, I, I totally agree. It's either your thing or it isn't. And what is serious, though, all of a sudden, uh, Sam is super rugby or picky, which... Uh, I think I've got to give uh, plaudits here to New Zealand rugby. This is not easy to try and uh, change a competition all around, but I think they've come up with quite a good formula, bearing in mind this is pretty much still amateur for a lot of these girls taking part in this, and they didn't want it to be too prolonged. So I think this is going to work. Yeah, I agree, Smith. I think probably just the important thing is that it's happening because, you know, this this year for women's sport, and and I know it's been a very tumultuous last 18 months when you think of rugby World Cup, women's rugby World Cup, cricket, Women's World Cup, Super Rugby Alpica, just so many um, important sort of milestones in women's sport this year um, that we need to happen. You know, we can't afford to have them fall over because, you know, that's massive dents um, in what they're trying to achieve. So I'm just, I'm happy that it's that it's going ahead and um, condensed up. It's going to work for them, hopefully. And, and from what I understand as well, it's almost better that it's um, condensed up, Smithy, because most of the women are amateur, you know, that they've got full-time jobs and that sort of thing. And at the moment, they're only training, I think, one day a week or two days a week. And um, so just sort of having it, you know, nice and quick is probably actually more preferred for the for the for the players themselves so yeah looking forward to it 
four games and uh, possibility of four games in uh, 15 days, Brad. So uh, they're going to feel it at the end of it, but at least they're going to play. Absolutely, and it's imperative as well for the Black Ferns for the World Cup just around the corner that that we get our you know our best players on the field uh, you know over that short period of time just to get in some sort of shape. And I, I too give um, kudos to NZ Rugby for getting this off the ground. Uh, it's the debut season, uh, and I think there's there's a little bit of anticipation around it, right? Like we had captains unveiled yesterday with Sarah Herney, um going to be looking after the Hurricanes team. I think it's it's. There is a little bit of anticipation uh, around this competition and yeah, kudos to New Zealand Rugby for getting off the ground and I'm actually really looking forward to it. 22-2-22 is symbolic for a lot of people. It's their birthday. Uh, other things are happening in their lives, of course, but if you're a cricket fan, uh, Brad, 22-2-22 only means one thing, doesn't it? It's Richie Day. Yeah, it does. And uh, what was interesting the other day, I think, in the Sri Lankan-Australian game at one of those games, uh, it was two for 22, and it was quite hilarious listening to one of the commentators sort of chucking a Richie Beno chew uh, in there. Uh, but, yeah, look, uh, man, what a legend uh, of, of, of commentating. And um, all cricket fans know two for 22 or two for 222, or you can keep going and going. But, yeah, look, uh, I just remember, I think, when Sky first got the rights to Australian cricket, back in the mid-90s and just been able to sit down and watch that intro and then Richie Beno, you know, welcome back to the MCG. And, like, it was just, it was, it was like, that was a highlight. I enjoyed that, I think, more than watching the New Zealand stuff at the time because, uh, you know, we never got, we never really got to watch Australian cricket aside from when New Zealand were playing Australia. So, uh, yeah, it was um, good, good memories there and big Richie fan. And anyone, Sam, worth their salt and anything to do with sport or the media has had a crack at Richie Benno, haven't they, in terms of an impersonation? Oh, I was going to say, he's probably the most impersonated man in the in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, be keen to hear your rendition of it at some stage, Smithy. But uh, no, you know, I actually watched a Billy Birmingham uh, video this morning, the 12th man, who said, uh, what you've got to do is you've got to rip your voice box out, throw it on the ground, trample on it, then shove it back in. And then you've got to pretend that your bottom lip has been hooked by a fishing line and just pull it out until it's in another postcode. So that's how I've been following his tips, and uh, that's, that's about as far as I've come. <laughs> that's silly. very good. Yeah. That is sensational, <laughs> mate. It really is. I've been Billy Burning and made a fortune out of Richie Van Owen and his mates. I think, he made, I think he made the impersonation almost famous, didn't he? It was sort of from him that we all tried to, we all thought we had the ability. You hear Billy doing yeah. it? Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Um, on a serious note, uh, a golfing note too, uh, Brad, I noticed this morning that Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau have said they will not be going to this proposed Saudi golf league, which is fronted by the great shark, uh, Greg Norman. Uh, would have paid absolute fortune, I imagine, to the players, but uh, they decided to stay for a mere $838 million on the US PGA. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Rory McIlroy coming out and saying it's dead in the water, and uh, I sort of agree with them. Uh, looking at the story in depth yesterday, it appears that the PGA are going to uh, prevent any American players from playing in the Ryder Cup if they jump ship. Um, so that's a massive carrot for any U.S. player. I mean, maybe the Saudi League will pick up sort of players outside the top 100, but, you know, I mean, that <laughs> that's that's... There's no names there. The best players in the world are where it's at. And, yeah, I, the last thing we need in golf is, is a Rebel League. I don't think anyone's interested in it apart from Greg Norman. I mean, I wouldn't watch it. I just want to watch, you know, the best players play every week at the tournaments that have the most pedigree. You know, like who wants to watch a Masters where half the field are playing in a rival league? It's a bit like that, you know, the sort of time when there was two NRLs, right, when there was the NRL and Super League. It, was just, it just didn't feel right.
No, I agree with you. I'm I'm not sure about uh, what your thoughts are on it, Sam, but um, without the players, it just has no teeth. They can have all the money, and they'll never run out of money. The Saudis, we know that, uh, and we know why Greg Norman's there because uh, he's getting paid a mega bucks to front it. But uh, it ain't going to happen by the look of it. No, no, I, I just agree totally with Brad there, and that you know you, you've got to have the best players there to have to, for it to have any sort of credibility. And you know the PGA just with the tournaments that they have, you know, Masters is a good one, like. They, they've got history, you know, and you can't just set something up and expect it to, to capture the golf world when, you know, by and large, golf fans are ones that have been fans for a long time and, and you know, enjoy the history of the game and the players that have come and gone. So, yeah, without the biggest names, I just don't think it can go absolutely anywhere at all. And um, I think it was it, the power was obviously with the players because as soon as, you know, two or three of them started to side one way, the rest start following, you know, that no one's really going to take the plunge and go off on their own. So now that they've got the momentum, I can't see any of them um, going across. I know there was mention of, because I think Phil Mickelson's a little bit anti-PGA, but I mean, I personally don't think he would be a big enough um, pull, you know, for me to want to switch the channel on a on a Sunday morning. No, I, I don't think he would either, even uh, bearing in mind that he's the current major champion. I, I still don't get why uh, Phil's just got this thing uh, about the, uh, the PGA. says, uh, the, the, the USPGA are greedy. Uh, I mean, they're greedy. I mean, Phil, Phil, <laughs> look in your garage, mate. Have a look in your garage, son. And, and I'm not sure which garage I'm talking about here on which house and which state or wherever you're wanting to pay the least amount of tax. But, Phil, let's be sensible about this. Gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for your participation this morning. Brad Lewis uh, there and uh, Sam Hewitt, who, uh, of course, is in the studio and will be working later this afternoon as well.